Absolutely. Now, I notice when you guys, like, we're bringing a student pastor up, you're like, oh, we don't know what's going to happen today. I actually, I was uh, meeting with my elder yesterday for breakfast, and my wife and I live downtown, so I was walking to breakfast downtown to meet Jeff, and as I'm walking, I had two homeless guys run up to me, and they're like, hey, Kyle, and I'm like, not Kyle, and I should probably go shave it up a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I, I am the bearded, scary man that's hanging out with students here, so don't be alarmed. Um, but man, it has been an honor and a, and a pleasure to be able to come and serve at 360 and, and to understand and know kind of where you guys have come from and where we're headed as a church. It's just super exciting. It's super exciting to see just a, a group of people that are so bound together for just one goal and one vision. And it's just, it's just an honor to be a, for both my wife and I, for us to be a part of it. So thank you for welcoming us so much. So my story today starts with swimming. Have you guys, do you, have any of you ever had, uh, just are you a swimmer family? If you are, you know what I'm talking about. Like as soon as you're young, your parents just throw you into swim class and it's something your, your, your uh, siblings do, it's something that just happens. That was kind of my family when I was young. And so my mom threw me into swim class and that's where I started to hate water. Um, <laughs> And I'll tell you why, I had a swim teacher who I was probably maybe two at the oldest. She threw me in the pool and as I was with her in the pool, she basically just grabbed my hair, put me underwater and just did this with me. Now y'all laugh, but that's child abuse, <laughs> right? Like, and that really started my, my just, I'm not swimming. I broke the swimming standard for our family. And really, honestly, after that, nobody really swam much after that. I just didn't like the water from that point on. Well, fast forward all the way to uh, my mid-20s, my early 20s, and one of my best friends is like, Shay, let's go get certified for scuba diving. Well, that kind of brings an issue up. I love underwater. Like, I love everything that God has created under there. It's just an amazing, an amazing just opportunity to be able to go down there and see what God's doing down there. And so I looked at him and I was like, absolutely, let's do it. I'm going to overcome this. And so we go through class. I, I got all the head knowledge, right? Um, I go down on my first dive and I'm down there. And I don't know, like they go, they do everything with you when you're going through training. They rip your mask off when you're underneath the water. You learn how to put it back on. They rip the oxygen out of your mouth. You learn how to do all that. So I'm actually, at this point, I'm fairly comfortable, right? I feel like I've got it all down. And so I go on one of my first trips. I'm in Kauai. And there I get to go on an amazing dive. And it's a drift dive. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. But basically, you go down, the boat leaves, and takes the current all the way down. And they, they park the boat at the, the opposite side of the current. So basically, all you have to do is go down and just drift. And just watch the amazing coral reef as you go. Well, I didn't really know that. And so I went down. And I, I'm just, I'm going, I'm, I'm trying to keep up, I'm trying to swim, I'm uh, working really hard. There's something I, I really, there was a cool reef right here, an octopus is right there. And I'm swimming, trying to keep up with it, I'm looking at it, and all of a sudden I look at my, my gauge, and I'm out of air. And so I got to go back up. And so I go up about a quarter of the, the time that everybody else is underwater. 
So literally, I have to go up and drift on the top of the water all the way to the boat. And I realized something, and I think we learned this with rip currents too. When, when you're in a rip current on the beach, and, and being in Sarasota, we should learn this, right? If a rip current takes you out, you're not supposed to swim against it, right? You're not supposed to fight it. You're supposed to just let it take you and swim to one side or the other and come back. And so I had to learn the hard way with scuba diving that, man, I just need to go with the flow. I need, I need to be at peace. I need to be calm and recognize that I don't need to control everything underwater. I don't need to, to try to make sure that everything's good. I can just flow with where the water's taking me. And I think we do that in our relationship with, with Jesus. When we, when we get into a relationship with Jesus, so often in our, in, our, in our walk, in our journey, we fight the flow. And we try to, we try to control and we, we're just working at it and it's just not working right. And man, it's, God, I just don't know how to. And we get, we get so tense and frustrated and, and we don't know what to do in those situations. I actually call it, there's a lot of the times when you first accept Christ, I call it church light because I think a, a lot of pastors over the last 50 years, 100 years has done a disservice to us. And, and they just want to make sure that you say the prayer. They really don't tell you everything else that's coming, right? They really don't tell you that, that they give you the church light version. Man, just accept Jesus. And we start to believe and we start to fall into this, this lie that when we accept Jesus, everything's going to be easy afterwards, right? It, it, that he's going to take all of our hard stuff and it would be just easy to glide into heaven. We'd be able to continue to live our life and he would take all of the blockades away. So we get to accept, say the prayer, accept Christ, and, and then all of a sudden we continue on with our lives. And it just doesn't work. It's just, it's almost like you're swimming against the current. And a lot of the times I feel like, they, you know, I even fall into that. And, and one of the ways that I relate it to is the mantle. The mantle we put of our lives, we put, you know, our family up there, we put our jobs up there, we put our our children, we put all kinds of different things that our life has, and we put them on our mantle of life. And then when we come into our relationship with Jesus, we put him on that mantle too. But I feel like so often when you walk into a church, you're not given the whole story. You're not given what Jesus has actually called us to. I feel like it's almost sometimes false advertising. So today I want to talk about there's a different way. And when we look in the Bible, we see what Jesus says about our relationship with him. We see what he says about our walk and what's entailed in it. And actually, if um, you know anything, have you guys ever heard of the Pony Express? Way back in the 1800s. Back in the mid-1800s, the Pony Express. So there's a guy who was the superintendent for the western end of the Pony Express. His name was Bolivar Roberts, and he was said to have placed this ad in the San Francisco newspaper in March of 1860. It said, wanted, young, skinny, wiry fellows, not over 18, must be expert riders willing to risk death daily, orphans preferred. <laughs> he wasn't lying. He was as honest as he could be. He was honest about the facts that the service required. But guess what? 
The Pony Express never suffered from a shortage of riders. The Pony Express the students and, and, and young guys were just excited to join up and be a part of something that was incredible. And I think we, as believers in Christ, need to be a little bit more honest with what Christ has called us to. When we look at Acts, for instance, we look at Paul's conversion. And, and God goes to a man named Ananias. And when he, he goes to this guy named Ananias, he says, I want you to go see Saul. He's in this town. And I want you to go tell him that I have a plan for him. And Ananias at the time, he's like, nope, I'm good. That's the guy who like kills us. That's the guy who's been throwing everybody in jail. God, nope, I'm good. And God says this in Acts 9, 15 and 16. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, exclamation point. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and the people of Israel. In verse 16. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. C.S. Lewis says this quote. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time or so much of your money or so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. Hand over the whole natural self. All the desires which you think are innocent, as well as the ones which you think are wicked. I want the whole outfit. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own will shall become yours. Romans 6, Paul writes, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So when we talk about our relationships with God, so often we skip over the ideas of sacrifice and suffering. And we skip over the idea that we're called to crucify our old self. We're called to put to death. Christ actually says, take up your cross and follow me. Now, when we think about that in the current stage of our life of every day, all of a sudden the, the choice to follow Christ or not looks a little bit different. And we're signing up for something, something different. But so often we, we just say, yeah, I'm going to have, yeah, I would love to accept Christ. I'm going to put him on the mantle with everything else, my family and everything else. When ultimately Christ says this, don't put me on the mantle with the rest of your life. Make me the mantle of which you put the rest of your life on. Think about that. Jesus even says to his disciples in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. We don't accept Christ in our life right now for this this easy reward so that at the rest of our lives that we have planned out are better. We accept Christ because he is our creator. Charles Spurgeon talks about, I had, I, I, we do not serve as believers in Jesus Christ. We do not serve him to be saved. We serve him because we are saved. And I just want to approach you guys today and say, what's, keep us, what's keeping us from doing that? 
And I will be honest with you, coming into 360, you guys have exemplified who Christ is more than a lot of the other churches I've been in. And it has been an absolute blessing. I was telling somebody the other day, it's almost like the Twilight Zone, but in a really good version. <laughs> like, the just acceptance and the love that we've received coming in, it's just been a model of who Christ is. But what keeps us ultimately, individually, each of you sitting in your seats today, what keeps you? from taking up your cross? What keeps you from killing your old self? What keeps you from putting all of that to death and making Christ the mantle in your life? I'll tell you, for me, it was a lot of fear. I lost a lot of sleep every night, putting my head on my pillow and figuring out how to control, figuring out how to fix you see, I come from a, a background of my, my father, uh, before uh, he met Jesus, was an abusive alcoholic, and my mother was a, just a raging codependent. And I had no idea what codependency was. I just thought it was a really weak word. And all the way through my 20s, I, I, would, I spent my entire life stressing, trying to control every detail of everyone around me so that I would look good. You see, I was a codependent. I picked that up from my mother, and I realized going through a 12-step program called Celebrate Recovery, I realized that in that, I wasn't allowing God to do his work. You see, a codependent is, is described as someone who assumes responsibilities for others' feelings and behaviors. They feel guilty about others' feelings and behaviors. They worry about how others may respond to our feelings, opinions, or behaviors. They have difficulty making decisions. They're afraid of being hurt or rejected. They minimize or alter or deny how you truly feel. We are hypersensitive to how others are feeling. We are afraid to express different, different, differing opinions or feelings. And it goes on and on and on, this list of, of what a codependent is. But on the surface, quite honestly, codependency kind of sounds like Christian teaching. And we always put other people first. Right? We, we always look out for someone else instead of our, you know, we never go, we never take it our way. We, we do it like we're, we're considered martyrs, right? Like we always put other people first. But ultimately what I realized is the selfishness that's in my codependency. You see, I was putting other people's first. I was trying to manipulate what other people were thinking. I was trying to manipulate what other people were doing so that I would come out best in every single outcome. I would spend minute by minute of my every single day life trying to control all of that. And it was exhausting. So in regards to fear or control, the problem for me, it was codependency trying to control interior feelings by controlling people, things, and events on the outside. To a codependent, control or lack thereof is a central to every aspect of life. But what I've realized and, and what I've had help with coming, people coming alongside me is, man, how do I defeat these lies of fear and control? I tell all the students all the time that what are your as it is written? So when Jesus was in the desert being tempted by Satan, he would always confront Satan with as it is written. Right? He would always just quote the Bible to him. And in Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament, 
It says, you shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart, in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. I don't know if you've seen in the Jewish faith where they tie little boxes to their head. They actually were doing this. They actually still do this to this day. But ultimately, Christ is saying, put this in your heart. And so my as it is written, what I tell students is, what are your as it is written? How do you defeat the lies of Satan that's coming at you? How do you defeat the lies of, of the fear and the control in your daily walk? I tell you, some of mine are these, Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown in a fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after those things. But seek first your heavenly father and his kingdom. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Another one of mine is Lamentations 3. It says, the Lord is good to the one who seeks him, to the one who, the Lord is good to the one whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him offer his cheek to the one who would strike him and let him be filled with disgrace. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. For he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. Psalm 46, 10, be still and know that I'm God. It's an easy one. Matthew eleven twenty eight. come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Psalm 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Do you know why? Because he's with me. 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God? And my, one of my last ones, Psalm 119, 33 through 40. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and obey it with all of my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find a light. Turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things and preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servant so that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good. How I long for your precepts and your righteousness preserve my life. 
those are ones that I repeat to myself on the daily. Those are ones that are so important that I have found in here, that he has revealed in here to me, that when I am confronted with this world and with the lies that I tell myself when I lay my head down at night, those are my as it is written. Do you have them? I'm sure some of you do. But I want to encourage you and let you know that, that in order for God to speak to us through this, we have to open it. And some of you are like, man, that's terrifying. I always had a youth pastor who said, never flip the Bible, point, and expect God. Oh, that's what God wanted to reveal to me today. And that's actually how I got the Lamentations verse. <laughs> Kid you not. But I tell you what, you have to be connected. This is one of the most amazing pieces of technology this world has ever seen. And some of you are like, oh, those are the worst. They're doing so many bad things for our culture. But I tell you what, they're doing really good things too. But ultimately, what is this without power? It's a piece of junk. This thing that can do so many amazing things that has changed our life as we know it is simply a piece. It's a paperweight. It's glass and metal with no power. This is useless. I don't know if you've seen a high school student when they're just about to run out of power on this thing. Man, you take them on a trip to camp or something, and they've been on their phones the whole time on the bus. They're running to whatever outlets are in that McDonald's, and you'll see like 10 or 15 of them plugging it in because they understand how important power is to make this thing run. This is power. Your relationship and connection to God is so important. Just like the high school kids run to the outlet to make sure that this is charged, every day we should be running to our Father so that we can stay connected, so that we know what he has to say to us. This is living and active right here. This is God's word to our soul. Well, Shay, how do we start it? How do I start opening this book? You know, this church is, we, we've, it's not just a Sunday situation here at 360. We want you to get connected. We want you to be in connect groups. We want you to start a small circle, a one-on-one, -on -one, across the table relationship with somebody. We want you to serve. Those are all ways that God can speak to you. We want you to open this up. But ultimately, it just starts with a conversation. Romans 8, 26 says this, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the, the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. We don't even have to know what to pray for. But ultimately, we just need to start the conversation. I want you to watch this video. It's a great example of how that conversation can happen. Watch this video. His masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a, a masterpiece, you know? I mean, 
maybe a Picasso. It's like, <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, dear Heavenly Father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh. Why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. What gave it away? You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. <laughs> Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. Oh, hey, God. Mm -hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running. I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward. But I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here, and maybe four to five, maybe eight lines right here, that would be awesome. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. Oh, the platypus? All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk, or can I chisel? Talk, chisel, No, talk, no, chisel. no, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Well, time out. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. <sighs> Hang on a second. I mean, I, I got to admit, I, I feel like you've been doing some great work, and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends, and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um, it's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know? I'll stay right here, and then, you That's know... That's just it. You never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life, or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, no, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But 
chisel where I want? That's called control. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Now this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? it's a process it's not a sprint it's a marathon it's your whole life and you care so deeply about what other people think of you it's rubbish it's garbage the greatest thing you're ever going to hear is at the end of your life when you hear me say well done good and faithful servant that's what you keep your eye on that's the prize heavenward oh, that hurts oh trust me this hurts me more than it hurts you right Okay, I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years these empty wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Allow me to produce character where you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not oh, my ways. I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse, I can't. Oh, my child, in the beginning, I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Cam, would you and I both? What? Nothing. No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just, um, I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay. You chisel away. Just, just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. Because I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror, and I hate who I see. Because deep inside there, this, this, this little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult, and I go out and I, and I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away, just... Be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not for me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That how can I show you that my love for you has no end? 
I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? I just went, God, I'll do that right now. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Oh, my God. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me even though you and I both know I've messed up so many times did I hear you say you want to use me and I feel so useless if you'll take me then use me then God I give you all that I am take me I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at it as a, as a prison, but look at it as a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's... No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you. But maybe for the first time in your life the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. Yeah. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Writing this message was difficult because pretty much this entire book points back to this. And I see a lot of tears out there, and I'm grateful for them because I can't not cry when I watch that. And I've, I've seen it a thousand times because it brings us right back to that original conversation that we had with God. 
Now, as I, I'm going to invite the band back up. But as they come up, I don't want you to be distracted. I want you to be here with me. Because maybe you've never had that conversation. Or maybe it's been a long time since you've had a conversation like that with God. Or maybe it's your first time you've had the conversation today. But what I want to do is I want to give you the opportunity before you leave these doors to have that conversation. Now, you can, you can have that conversation at your chair. You can turn around on your chair and get on your knees and pray to God. You can come up here and get on your knees and pray. And I know that maybe that sounds a little weird. And maybe you've never, man, I'm not going to be the person that comes up. But sometimes God's called us to get up to own our stuff and come up here and just lay it all down. I'm not asking you to. I'm asking you to do what God has called you to do. I just want you to have a conversation, whether that's at your seat or up here. If you want to talk to somebody, there's going to be some people over here that can talk to you. I, I will be over here. Pastor Steve will be over here. I would love to talk with you. Because ultimately, to understand why you were created, why you exist, you need to have that conversation. Let us pray. Lord, thank you so very much.